Hello and welcome to the Medjlis Podcast, Radio for Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Pinnear, host of the Medjlis and author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. The trial of 22 people accused of involvement in the July violence in the Karakalpakstan Sovereign Republic started on November 28th in the city of Bukhara. Karakalpakstan is a large area, rich in oil and gas, located in the western part of what is today Uzbekistan. Protests started in late June when people in Karakalpakstan discovered a draft of the constitutional amendments contained changes that would have stripped Karakalpakstan of its sovereign status and other privileges. On July 1st, there was a huge but peaceful protest in the regional capital, Nikus. Things turned violent when security forces attempted to disperse the demonstrators. At least 21 people were killed, more than 200 injured, and more than 500 people detained. A commission that included members of the government was formed to investigate the causes of the violence. Their investigation is focused on the demonstrators, though, as a recent Human Rights Watch report showed, police and security forces seem to have been responsible for some of the deaths and injuries. There have been many questions about the investigation and its findings. During the first days of the trial, most of the defendants confessed to being partially or completely guilty of charges that they helped organize mass unrest. Some even made a point of saying they were treated fairly after being detained, which gives the court proceedings the appearance of being staged. For this broadcast, I am joined by two people from Karakal, Pakistan, who, are off, who will offer a different interpretation of events than those being told in the Uzbek courtroom. Due to concerns for the safety of family and friends back in Karakal, Pakistan, our guests are using pseudonyms and their voices are being altered. I want to introduce and thank Aisulo Azdatava and Mekset Saparov for being on the program. Thank you both. I'm going to start with Aisulu. Um, Aisulu, uh, I would like to hear your opinion about the trial that, that's underway right now in, in Bukhara. Uh, what, what are you seeing and, and, and what do you hear if you hear from anybody back in Karakal, Pakistan about what they think about it too? Yeah, there are a number of issues with the trial in Bukhara. First of all, the distance between Nukus and Bukhara is uh, 500 kilometers away, and the government, Uzbek government, uh, informed uh, public about the trial 17 hours before the actual trial, and it made it difficult for the families and friends and uh, uh, journalists to make it there. Also, it was... Um, if they were saying that it's an open trial. In fact, it wasn't open trial. The uh, live broadcast the first day was uh, just horrible. But surprisingly, the mm, recordings of uh, some defendants when they were attacking each other, it was so clear. So I think even in this um, Uzbek government tries to play and uh, they try to mislead the public, uh, even in these small, tiny ways. And of course, it wasn't fair. In the, it is obvious that uh, they were interrogated and both physically and mentally. I myself, uh, some years ago, was in detention and I spent only five hours but um, I got a um, taste of it, and uh, I, it's clear that uh, when the person is not guilty, after being interrogated by so many people asking the same questions, you get so exhausted that you will start 
accepting whatever the law enforcement officers uh, say. I was in detention with my friend, and they tried to blame her for the crime. First, she was denying, but after several hours of interrogation by a number of people, they told, they made a statement that you did it. You just said that you committed the crime. And she was so exhausted. She says, what? What did I say? And the so uh, luckily I was by her and I said, no, she didn't say that. You are the one who are stating this information. So basically, Uzbek government, uh, Uzbek law enforcement officers, they are trained so well in framing people, in making innocent to be guilty. And to begin with, this um, um imprisonment was illegal because both uh, all of these people who are on the trial they had a right for the protest and uh, it was a peaceful protest and uh, Daulet Muratov Murat, he never encouraged people to be violent but he reiterated a number of times that the protest should be peaceful and uh, uh, they are accusing him in the violence. But uh, in fact, it is Uzbek government who committed the crime. They are the ones who murdered innocent people. So they should be judged instead of this innocent uh, people who are on a trial right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also want to get, Mekset, I want to get your opinion too. You've been watching the trials also. What are you seeing? I think I saw is right. It's some sort of metamorphosis going on to common sense. You would think, actually, in democratic countries, you would see President Mirziaev uh, being accused, not the vice versa, but unfortunately, it's dictatorship. And this uh, court, of course, it's uh, staged show trial and they got all core people as they think who who is vocal about the independence of Karakal Pakistan uh, for even the fact that the judge his name is Yulubai Abibulayev actually Dalit Matajamratov uh, tried to recuse him from the trial because just last year he actually uh, alleged him violating a lot of laws himself that judge. For instance, there is the videos actually still up there on the YouTube when he made a video when he, while this Yulubai Habibulayev, uh, the judge was in the one of the regions. He uh, showed how he stole state properties and used it, embezzled the, the even like a building materials for the new court building, uh, used it as a labor pupil of state workers or state agencies workers in his own house and on the top of it he hid the fact that he has the house private house and actually received stipend from the state saying he is living in 
renting an apartment. Uh, he accused all of these things in the past, and the same judge is right now is judging him on very, very heavy accusations here. And as he pointed out during his uh, speech, this is the political trial. It's unfair, and uh, he also pointed out that none of the, his papers he applied to different uh, agencies, organizations, international organizations went out. He was blocked out from the outside world, and he couldn't get correspondence, mail from the outside world. Leave alone that uh, he uh, was all unhappy with the advocate who was appointed by the state and he we actually as a activist here tried to get advocate for him to provide him proper legal defense and there was there was no access to to talk to him or to pass the message to him Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. So, so the judge and, and Tajimurata already have a history, and, and people have pointed out that that should have disqualified the judge from this case, right? Yes, and, yes. Any other country, even average kind of, even trying to be as democratic, they wouldn't allow that thing. But this is the blatantly, blatantly ignoring this fact. Right. Uh, and and I'm also curious too. You guys, you tried to. You and other people tried to organize a, a lawyer for Tajimuratov, and they there was you couldn't it didn't work. What they wouldn't accept the lawyer, or or how did that work? So that he had to take the state attorney, even though there was efforts to try to get him a more impartial defender. No, we we tried we tried to contact uh, him, provide the uh, at least to meet them so they can decide who gonna be their advocates. We are not like uh, pushing our uh, our options, but uh, we couldn't get, there wasn't access to him at all during the, except they say families, but we didn't believe that families have access because they had to say just for uh, self-preservation things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, Asulu, let's bring it over to you. Okay, we've been talking about Dalet Murat Tajimuratov. Uh, he's being portrayed by the prosecutor as, as probably the main organizer of all this kind of unrest. Now, in the first days of the trial, as we know, most of the defendants that, that testified it basically admitted that they did what the prosecutor said that they were supposed to have done. So they admitted their guilt and went on. But when Tajimuratov got a chance, to testify, to make a statement. This statement was very different. And I was wondering if you could kind of t- t- explain, tell me a little bit about that. What What did he say in the courtroom happened to him? Tajimuratov said uh, what happened to him since uh, the day of his arrest, he was beaten brutally and he was uh, tortured. People were bouncing on his head and uh, he lost his conscience. Also, they tried to twist his fingers, almost breaking them. And uh, so he spoke about these tortures. And also he mentioned while he was beaten up so brutally, when he turned back, he saw that the back of Azamat Turdanov was torn. Even though for some reason Azamat is not 
complaining about the tortures, and that's understandable. I also want to say that I do not blame Azamat uh, Lola Gul for denying the torture because law enforcement officers, they uh, threatened them and their families and uh, who in the right of their mind will praise the prison. Lola Gul, she was saying that uh, the prison is great, they are feeding her, but if you read between the lines, she is signaling, she is saying, SOS, help me, you know, but I don't know if international media and human rights organizations are picking it up that her praising the prison does not mean that actually she's being treated well. And also the interesting uh, observation after Daulit Murad's speech, you know, they stopped uh, broadcasting. Um, they started... Uh, they don't provide that option of uh, live uh, broadcasting. And that tells you that they're trying to cover up because it didn't work to the scenario they played. They were so successful to convince um, Azamat Turdanas, Lola Gul, to uh, play according to their script. And Dalut Marat, he ruined it. And after that, they stopped the live broadcast. Thank you for bringing me up, because uh, bringing that up, because that's one of the points I wanted to make was this: this trial actually was being broadcast live. People could watch it until uh, after Taji Murat's um, testimony, uh, and then I was I was wondering if it was still not being broadcast live. In fact, there's less reporting coming out of Uzbekistan, and even the members of the commission that were on Twitter seem to have been certainly not posting as much about about the what's going on with the trial. Uh, Mekset, are, are you, are, one, are you surprised that Taji Muratov actually said this when he was in the courtroom? And then uh, are, are you surprised that all of a sudden they decided they wouldn't continue broadcasting this, this, uh, the courtroom proceedings live? Dalit Murat, Taji Muratov, truly hero, hero of his people. Hero is our, hero of our people. He, he said, release all these people, have me, and I, I am ready to sacrifice my life, my every being, for my people. He said, his like historic figure he uh, loves, he adores is Aliyar Dusnazarov. By the way, today, December eighth, Aliyar Dusnazarov, the day when Aliyar Dusnazarov was shot by Soviet NKVD. So it's a lot of parallels. Also, I can. Uh, do the parallels with the, what happened in Andijan events 2005, if you remember. There was open source, there was uh, staged trial, there was the, there was uh, all people confessing and thing, and there was just one woman spoiled that thing. Uh, by the way, uh, there wasn't like a smartphones, YouTube that time, but we were receiving all this thing by report reports from the from the courtroom and one woman spoiled that thing and they closed after that that women for instance said i i was prepared to lie to you here by the law enforcement by his she said i cannot do in my conscience that because there is a guy 
they were actually blaming all people who died as a as a uh, the terrorist actually and he, she said i cannot do that uh, in memory of the guy who actually died saving my daughter in the crowd he laid on the top of my daughter to cover uh, her and he got the bullet and he died on front of my eyes she said and i cannot do that and after that they stopped the broadcasting that court outside same thing happening in here it's uh, except one difference is president karimov after that after that events after investigation even from outside outside of uzbekistan he was banned from all western countries from all Europe, European countries, and he had to get special permission to go into the Germany to get treatment. They gave him like an exception, and not only him, all his uh, surroundings who is involved in government in that time, they were banned from that too. But that thing is not happening in Karkalpak case. Uh, I think the reason of that Times are changing. Uh, for dictators, hard to keep power on their hands because all the technology things, all the globalization things, and what global community is not realizing, that is, the dictators are changing too. They are adapting too. They are not like a dictators like we used to see, to see Ceausescu or Picasso. If you remember this dictator, they are not like that anymore. They they adapting and they know what to say. They know what what, what kind of they they can create the appearance of democracy, even not changing anything. They adapting to that. If you see European organization of uh, European Union. That's what called. So they they went after that even and did the uh, the business deal with the president. Russia gave one of the big honors medal, Nevsky medal to to Merziaev. So it's we have to realize that too. And I'm not surprised that they started confessing on everything. And personally, uh, from my personal experience, I can tell they are very crafty. With, when it comes to the torturing, getting confession from you, they they put that on scientific level how they can do that. Uh, I can tell from my own experience. And let's say even like two people beating you up, third person is watching you, so you won't pass out. You you won't pass out because when you actually when you getting that torture, you would actually dream to pass out because you wouldn't feel anything, but they wouldn't let you. There would be always watcher and stops when you come into that point. So uh, therefore, I'm not surprised that they're admitting all kind of guilt there. And other than that, they can be heroes all they want, but there is the one thing. There, the, there is a tight, tight family in in our in our culture, we keep cl- close, keep tight our families, and even though you can be, you you can sacrifice your life, but you don't feel you have right to uh, sacrifice your brothers, sisters, mothers, and your other family members. That 
that not everybody can go over that. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, well, we've got to the halfway point in the uh, program. It's uh, time for me to remind that this is the Medjilis podcast, Radio for Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Pinner, host of the Medjilis and author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. We're talking today about the ongoing trial of 22 people allegedly involved in the July violence in the Karakal Pakistan Sovereign Republic in the western part of what is today Uzbekistan. And my guests are Mekset Zaparov and Aisulu Azatava. You know, let's let's move away from Bukhara and the trial for a minute. Uh, you, you're both in touch with people uh, back in this area. So can you tell me since July 1st and to this day, what is the situation like in Karakalpaks and what's the mood of the people out there? It's, uh, Isulu, can you start? Yes, uh, the people are in a lot of pain. They feel like they're abundant. The international community did not came to to the rescue. You know, they turned their blind eye to the issues and uh, EU countries, the US, they boast about uh, democracy for standing up for uh, democratic values. But in the, uh, people feel like they naively believed, even Lola Gold, you know, she openly, just before her arrest, she uh, posted a video uh, of telling that uh, there is a high possibility that she will be imprisoned. And uh, she asked international organizations to help her. But uh, unfortunately, um, the civilized world, the Western countries, instead of keeping Uzbekistan accountable for major human rights violations, they started closing deals with them. They started praising them. Uh, basically, people are upset and um, uh, they are uh, scared. It's so much fear because the phones are censored. They cannot openly uh, talk. They have to use the secret words, you know, that only uh, certain people will understand. So um, it's a lot of fear and frustration um, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, Mexet, let's go to you. And it, it pretty much the same thing. What are you hearing from the ground? But I also want to mention too that you know, and, and it has been brought up before that that President Mirziyoyev actually pays has paid a lot more attention to Karakal Pakistan than certainly his predecessor, Islam Karimov. Uh, you know, I was double checking some of this information on that, and he has gone out to the region a few, you know, several times. Uh, he does talk about it. Is, is the general view of people that in Karakal Pakistan, at least the people that you know, that he really is the, the person that's responsible for uh, the problems in Karakal Pakistan and the, and the uh, course of these this trial process in Bukhara? Of course, of course. They are not... Even if they don't speak, actually, uh, they 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 have no doubt because they witnessed all this thing. Uh, they, I, I guess, hope a lot of people can be stupid, and uh, of course, he is a blame. And if he pays attention to the Karakal Pakistan, he pays attention to the natural resource of Karakal Pakistan. Not, and he's just uh, uh, keeping quite enough so can pull more from the. Uh, uh, we talking so much about the Oslo was right about the, his connection to Russia and Russian oligarch as well. So uh, he is providing a lot of gas to Putin from Karakal Pakistan. 
actually this project few years ago uh, won international business reward for how profitable this business was uh, because giving nothing in exchange taking everything from the from the people western countries have to realize that's that's the uh, the gas in big part from karakal pakistan that putin uses as leverage against Europe. This is because Russian companies are running this gas site, right? This is where this is one of the Luke Oil or Gazprom operations, correct? Yes. Uh, Gazprom, Russia, and there is the, they created branch of the Uzbekistan, uh, Gazprom, and they uh, pull, like, they have so many, so many uh, derricks that pulling on that thing. Uh, and they, they right now, uh, I think, providing 150 million cubic gas per year with the uh, increasing following years up to 300 million cubic uh, meter gas to Russia. Um, let me, uh, but let's, uh, I, I know I've been, I've been watching the, the news about the development of the oil and gas industry out in Karakalpakistan, and I agree with it. It's an invaluable place, certainly for the Uzbek government. Uh, you know, there's a lot of money to be made there. But to bring it back to Karakal Pakistan and the situation for the people a little bit too, um, have you heard that? What's this? What's the presence of security forces like in Karakal Pakistan after July? Is there noticeably more police, uh, other members of security agencies that are out there on the street to to make sure that there's not a repeat of what happened in July? Is that something that people see? There is- there is a lot of security present there because uh, December 1st was the uh, National Language Day, Karakalpak Language Day in Karakalpakstan, never been celebrated before. They're afraid those holidays then trigger something else. And upcoming December 14th is the Constitution Day uh, of Karakalpakstan. And today, they when was shot actually Dusnazar Aliyarov I mentioned before who was shot by killed by NKVD, NKVD he people attribute to him Karakopakstan being state he proved to the Stalin that time that Karakalpak people is not Uzbek are not Uzbeks not the Kazakhs not anything else they are the separate people and that's why actually during the Soviet time, Karakopakstan got uh, the status of autonomous republic. Yeah, Bruce, also, if I can uh, uh, get my feedback regarding uh, President Mirziyoyev, uh, some people praise him for doing a lot of good to Karakalpakstan, but um, he is uh, so skillful in his um crimes against Karakalpak people while he was trying to do physical improvements he um, appointed people like the minister of health in Karakalpakstan he is ethnically Uzbek person and there are so many other ministers are ethnically Uzbek and the, the average life expectancy in Karakalpakstan 55 years you know they are trying to uh, they're trying to kill people in one way or the other. And also, um, 
I know people personally uh, who uh, had two children, and after having two children, the state nurse will come to their house and insert intrauteral device so they will not get pregnant. There is this unwritten rule that you cannot have more than two children. And uh, I know families who, who whose unborn child was ripped off uh, of their body and uh, also they lost their uterine. And uh, um, during the protest also, it was uh, very bar- barbaric on the law enforcement uh, from uh, law enforcement officers, they were snipers on the high-rise building, and they were targeting uh, male genitals. They were, the hospitals were packed with people who were injured in their private parts, and the hospitals were not ready to provide this help to treat them. Uh, the medical field is so undeveloped in Karakal, Pakistan, and I think it's intentionally, so people will not get the right treatment. And um, also, you know, uh, he, the president appoints leaders that are going to support him fully. Even the head of Johar Lekines is elected by the Uzbek government. Karkalpak people cannot elect their own leader. And the uh, ministerial level people are non Karkalpak. So there is a lot of injustice that's happening there. And uh, the main purpose is to just get rid of uh, Karkalpak people, to eliminate them as a nation. And um, even during Mirziaev time, they were trying to change Karakalpak uh, signs on the street into Uzbek. You know, in our own land, we cannot even have uh, signs written in our own language. Uh, they are forcing Uzbek language on us. And also, uh, while I'm in Nukus, you know, I noticed that um, they're trying to bring Uzbeks from other parts of Uzbekistan, uh, whether it is businesses, they are helping them to settle down in Karakal, Pakistan. You know, while local Karakalpak people, they don't get any incentives to start business, to flourish. And um, it's really heartbreaking uh, what the Uzbek government is doing. Uh, I agree with ISLU. It's not only uh, natural resources. Uh, they see in Karakal, Pakistan as melting core, not only in terms of natural resources, but uh, uh, they selling ecological disaster there and getting a lot of money from there too. None of it uh, reaching Karakal, Pakistan actually. If you, uh, I don't know if people remember 2003, I think uh, the Secretary of UN, Goodyear, uh, before uh, going away, he visited the Aral Sea disaster area and he was shocked by the scene there. It was like a very, he was shocked and uh, he pledged help to the Aral region. Of course, all the money went to the Uzbekistan and none of them reached uh, to Karakal, Pakistan.
Thank you. Um, you know, I'm a couple more questions because we are starting to run out of time here. The first one is obviously people in Karakalpakstan are not talking about what happened in July openly, but but you got to think this is a big topic of conversation out there. Uh, are people discuss? Are they discussing what happened in July? What's happening now at the trials, and what are they saying, to, as far as you know? Uh, they are very scared to discuss, and even among themselves, neighbors, because the Uzbek government, they put so much pressure on the people and they saw what happened to the people who spoke up about the injustice. You know, people even among themselves, they are afraid to discuss because um, of the fears that uh, these people might report to KGB and they might be imprisoned. So people, I think, they are keeping it to themselves. They know that uh, it's not a fair trial. They know that none of these people are guilty. And um, so basically people are not able to express themselves because in Uzbekistan, if you express yourself, you, you will be in jail. I think Aislu is uh, right, and people can connect dots watching all this thing. Uh, for instance, one of the 22 who going through trial is Shamshetov, who is actually son of the Dolitpai Shamshetov, who was actually first president of Republic Karagalpakstan. I'm not misspeaking. President. It was a president at first when we, we, we've got the declared our independence. By the way, uh, when we declared independence, Uzbekistan was still part of Soviet Union when we declared. So Uzbekistan was uh, independent Uzbekistan few years later after Karakalpakstan. So in terms of the uh, state state of the countries, Karakalpakstan is, uh, was born earlier as depend, independent uh, country than Uzbekistan and the uh, Shamshetov was president and he, that was the person who was standing up for sovereignty of Karakalpak people. When Isolu and I say Karakalpak people, we mean everybody in Karakalpakstan, not ethnically Karakalpak people, Uzbek, Kazakhs, and they are a Karakalpak people. So he was he was uh, vocal. He was standing up against uh, that time President uh, Karimov. For instance, there was the cases when uh, Jurabekov was his prime minister, and he would drop on the airplane on the one of the uh, southern regions and would change the the governor of the region, Dolit Pai Shamshetov, would go there and confront that prime minister saying it's our internal business to change our governors in uh, Uzbekistan. Therefore, he was like a dismantled and the title president was uh, taken away by the people close to family, actually, they say they poisoned him. It was very close to Litvinenko's style uh, death. He got, he was healthy, first of all, and he got sick, and in one month he was gone, and they even didn't let them see the body. Actually, there was a security forces actually guarding the body before the burial. Okay, um, and we're going to get down to the, the last one because we are pretty 
close to out, being out of time here at the moment. And I'll start with you, Mekset. You know, Uzbek President Mirziyoyev promised that there would there would not be any changes to the constitutional articles on Karakal Pakistan's status as a sovereign republic. Uh, the attempt to change the, the those articles was what caused all these problems in the in the first place. We, we still haven't seen a new version of the the proposed amendments to the constitution. It's been held up ever since the violence in July. Do the people in Karakal Pakistan feel reassured by President Mirziyoyev saying, promising that that they won't that uh, Karakal Pakistan will not lose its status as a sovereign republic? I think it doesn't matter uh, now because. Uh... We realize there is a reasons, there is a triggers uh, does do this event, uh, the this kind of things. So it's uh, the changing the article was actually trigger, and before even that, I think Tajumrat very uh, representative of what people think. For instance, on the uh, trial, he said, "You think you putting this on rest by doing this? It's never gonna happen." He said, "We always gonna rebel." Karakalpak people always going to rebel for their freedom. This is not ending here, what he said on the trial. And people believe him, people respect him, people know him actually because he's daily online putting content on the as a blogger. Okay, uh, Aisula, what are you hearing? Uh, are people, did the people, you know, the president promised that they wouldn't wouldn't change the status of Karakal Pakistan. Does that uh, make anybody feel any better in Karakal Pakistan that they won't lose their that status? No, it doesn't make them feel any better because that sovereignty is still just on the paper. Karakal Pak people, they cannot even elect their own leaders. They cannot even have signs in their own uh, territory. What kind of independence is that? So it's just on the paper and we have more law enforcement officers that are on the ground, that are out, uh, that came from uh, outside of Karakal, Pakistan. So there is more control uh, because the government is will try to prevent any uprise in the future uh, protests. So um, I wouldn't say that people are happy that he's not changing because people lost their family members. Uh, in the, so, yeah, then, um, they're not happy. Okay, well, then I'll give you uh, each, if you can, very quickly, if you have any last statement, any last comments you want to make in, in about two minutes. Um, and I'll start with you. Uh, okay, Mexic, go ahead. Do you have anything you want to say that we didn't cover here? Yes, I would like to uh, congratulate Karakalpak people with the Day of Karakalpak language, December 1st, and upcoming Day of Constitution, December 14th. I encourage them to go and celebrate uh, their holidays. That is their freedom. It shouldn't be dependent from other neighboring country. As uh, other activists say, Karakal Pakistan, not Uzbekistan. Karakal Pakistan is not Uzbekistan. <laughs> okay, uh, Aisulu? Yes, uh, I want to clarify a message for international communities. I think uh, most of them are misled. I read some articles in German, in Spanish, and I want to bring some clarification. 
So uh, Caracal Pakistan signed a 20-year agreement with uh, Uzbekistan. This agreement guaranteed the Republic's constitutional right to withdraw via referendum from Uzbekistan. According to that agreement, after 20 years, the parties would either extend the agreement or Karakal Park will hold a referendum on leaving Uzbekistan. So that uh, uh, agreement has expired. Basically, we have all the right to uh, be independent, and uh, most of the people in Karakal Pakistan uh, support independence. And Karakal Pakistan is well, very tolerant to other ethnic groups, be it Kazakhs, Uzbeks, Uyghurs, Kyrgyz, Russians, and Ukrainians. You know, we are very friendly, and uh, all of them, in one voice, they say they want independence. Even in the protest, people who participated. They represented different people's group. And I want also urge the leaders of civilized countries to help Karakal Pakistan to be independent and create the oasis for core democratic values, rule of law, freedom of speech and assembly, pursuit of happiness, common good and diversity. And Karakal Pakistan in return will provide natural gas to Europe and some other countries. So please support us. We are in desperate need and uh, we want more intervention. We want international investigation of the crimes committed in Karakal, Pakistan, because what's happening right now in Bukhara, it's a circus. It wasn't uh, fair. So uh, I uh, pledge and I... Uh, just urge everyone to press for Uzbekistan to conduct independent investigation. I just want to add that is, as a lot of people think, it's not internal issue of Uzbekistan. It's international issue, issue between countries. Please help Karakalpak people. If I can say in Karakalpak language to my dear precious Karakalpak people, Thank you very much uh, for that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, but certainly we'll keep our eye on the trial. The sentences haven't been passed yet. So uh, the, the proceedings are still going on. And watch to the best of our abilities by, through the means that are available to us since they've kind of gone quiet in recent days. And I want to give a thank you to Isulu and Mixet for being on this program today. Uh, a big thank you as always to Nathan Shoemaker, our Medjolis podcast producer in Washington, D.C. And a reminder, you can subscribe to the Medjolis podcast or the Central Asia and Focus newsletter by visiting RFERL's website at rfarl.org. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.